in uh, women's panties, I guess you would call them. I'm totally making a mixtape of you saying panties. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's perfect. (laughs) Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle. Where we try to have thoughtful conversations. About awkward topics. On our search to find The Middle. announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Andy, how are you doing? Oh, a little bit tired, to be honest. <laughs> Talk to me about how you're tired. Well, I got up at like, you know, 8.30 a.m. this morning and it's really... <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh bitterly. Actually, um, I mean, we had a bit of a, in our recent episodes, discussion about what it's like to have a newborn and uh, all, all of that drama. But it, it is amazing just how everything's so relative. So, when you think about before kids, for example, what you perceived as, as being tired, like it, it was a real thing, like it was a real feeling that you had, but what you wouldn't give after sleepless nights to just have one of your regular pre-child tired nights. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like you said, it's all relative, right? It's all about what you are used to. Um, and I think the the greatest example of that is probably something like daylight savings, right? So, we're about to come up to daylight savings and we're going to lose an hour, I believe. I think that's right. And you think, ah, oh, what, what difference does an hour make? But uh, it can play havoc with people. Like, do you remember back in back at school and uni, there'd always be someone who would like show up late <laughs> and they'd just be like, oh, you know, it's daylight savings, just messing around with me. And it's like, uh, everything was like, you know, all, all mixed up. Like, <laughs> I find like just even just traveling to Queensland can do your head in sometimes with uh, daylight savings. But um, if you feel relative to your normal self tired, then it's just the way it is, right? Yeah, that's right. Last Sunday, Father's Day, we, we had our episode, of course, but I'm keen to, to hear, uh, did you get anything special for Father's Day? Well, actually, post that episode, I got a little bit of um, uh, feedback from some of our <laughs> listeners saying that they really uh, resonated with some of the stuff that we were talking about. So, it seems like we've um, we've struck a chord by not sugarcoating things, as usual. Uh, so, that was, a, that was a nice kind of um, shout out, because you always feel a little bit guilty when when you don't pretend everything's all sunshine sometimes um, and just go, oh, am I being like a little bit too, uh, you know, sensitive or negative about it? But I think it was appreciated by some of our listeners. So, um, shout out there. In terms of the actual day, I actually did quite well for presents and um, I came down and there was, you know, an assortment of things waiting for me. So, I, I got all the classics, I must admit, after our <laughs> topic. Okay. So, I got a pair of um, I got a pair of slippers, so some Ugg boots. I essentially get cheap ones and I wear them for a season and by the end of the season, they are falling apart and then I buy a new one every year. Um, so, this year, I was given some Ugg boots that were like proper Ugg boots, you know, quality ones that probably will last for a very long time. Uh, and then, I receive kind of mainly worky kind of things. My son, who's three, he wasn't really into it last year, but he he made me like a, a mug with like drawing all over it. And he was just so proud of it, you know, like he was just really, he was really proud of it. And he was like, oh, you know, because I always have a coffee and he's like, can you have the coffee in my mug? 
I'm like, ah, oh, sure, buddy. And I'm like trying my best to like wash the mug, but not wash off the um, the texture <laughs> that he's put on because <laughs> it doesn't really stick for some reason. So that was, but that was nice because I'd, I'd I'd rather them be proud and and you know giving gifts is about the experience, right? And then like for kids to kind of feel good that they've given a gift that the dad likes that that's important i think at a, at a young age um so because some of that and, and my daughter made me a book and things like that and i had breakfast i had an incredible breakfast of waffles topped with pancakes and decorated by my daughter which included clumped icing sugar sprinkles and uh hershey's chocolate sauce so <laughs> that was the um the gut bomb waiting for me but overall like i, I felt the love so i'm um, my kids are at that age where that kind of stuff still flies for me. Did you get to sleep in? I did. I did. I got to sleep in till I think eight, which was amazing. And um, and let me guess, you were trading everything for that sleep in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell me about your your morning and and what you received. Well, I got socks. Oh no, really? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, it was kind of funny because for anyone who hasn't listened to our previous episode, I did sort of cast shade on on the socks present. With, was the Rocky Roads inside the socks? <laughs> <laughs> I did get Rocky, Rocky Road. My wife, she got sort of advanced preview of the the episode and um, was aware of that comment that I'd made. And uh, <laughs> before the before the presents were handed out, um, and it just became a, a bit of a actually it was in the end it became more like value as a joke than than anything. <laughs> I, I, I still don't know what to do with the socks because um, I, I actually have plenty of socks. Like that's not something I have a shortage of. Um, ironically, um, uh, look, I, I don't want to reveal too much um, to make me look bad, but because sometimes, like at night or whatever, like if it's cold or whatever in winter. I'll put a pair of socks on, right, just to feel warmer. Yeah. But because I only wear them sort of literally like maybe one hour, right, I don't like every day use a new pair of socks because it's it's <laughs> like the normal socks that I wear to work or whatever, yes, like absolutely a new pair of socks in that case. But like, you know, when you've just after you've had a shower and you, you know, you put like you clean and anyway and you – um. Because I'd never put those socks on before a shower, yeah, right? They're, they're like the house socks. They're, they're like my after having a shower socks, right? And yeah. I usually only wear them for an hour because then, like, eventually I get to, like, I start overheating and anyway. <laughs> Andy, yeah, enough with the disclaimer. <laughs> How often do you wash these socks? Well, no, I do wash them, but just not every, like, I don't do, a, like, one pair a day sort of thing. Like, I might let them rock them for a couple of days or something, right? Um, okay, a couple of days. And yeah. so, that's that's the basis for which she she doesn't like that. So, she's like, oh, I bought you. <laughs> but the socks that I was given were kind of work socks, right? It's like, it doesn't, this doesn't this doesn't solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I've got nice, comfy, you know, lounging yeah. around socks. So, anyway. Business hours are over. You don't want to wear business <laughs> socks um, at night. Actually, I, I remember growing up, my dad would have a legendary amount of socks, right? Like, um, cause his mentality was, I don't, I think he like really hated the experience of washing and pairing the socks and all that stuff. So he had a mentality of, I won't have a regular rhythm for it. I'll just have like enough socks to fill up my entire load uh, in the washing <laughs> machine. And so I do have memories of him coming out whenever, you know, his, his cycle was every month or whatever, the, the washing line, like the Rolls Royce one, the outside version would just be full to the brim just of socks, his socks. And I thought, oh, that's, you know, he's ahead of his time. Is that the same day when you wash the paper towels? <laughs> you need extra drying line for that. Have you ever heard of a thing like left the left sock and the right sock? Well, uh, the, only, the only time I've ever seen that 
is when you buy those athletic socks that are kind of like have molding in them. And I have one pair of Bond socks that have a left and right symbol on them, Be- which I thought was bullshit. <laughs> because like that would just <laughs> that would just make that task exponentially more complicated. It does. I routinely wear two of the rights and two of the lefts and like uh, and and that I was going insane. Well, that's why you that's why your toe got bunged, right? Oh fuck yeah, yeah, that's probably why. It wasn't the drunk running at all. <laughs> one one question about socks um that I think will lead us into our, our next topic is do you notice how compared to like Kmart or Best and Less or those kind of shops target, it's always more expensive to buy socks in a supermarket? I haven't thought about it. I mean, I'm always tempted when you go into Woolworths and they have like a deal with bonds. So they always have aisles with at the end of the aisle display bonds and they always sell them for like, you know, 40% off or 50% off. And you're like, oh, it must be good. But then you realize it's still not as good as, like like you said, buying them in the other places. Uh, but I'm always tempted. And I think I have maybe bought one or two pairs from there when they're 50% off. So, yeah. I, I have noticed this tactic that um, some of our major supermarkets, uh, which shall remain un, unnamed, use, which is where they, like, and it's not just in, in socks and th- that sort of stuff. It's, like, yeah, kitchenware and all that sort of stuff as well, where... They do sell like this line of of goods, which might be a fry pan or something like that, which is you wouldn't necessarily expect like a supermarket to stock or it's not if you wanted like a a fry pan and you were going to go to a shop, you wouldn't go, I know I'll go to Woolworths, right? You'd probably go somewhere else first, right? But they have it there. It's convenient. And then they're like really expensive. So, they will charge you for whatever that thing is like probably 20, 30, 40% more than what you would get if you went to like the shop that you would logically think of going to yeah and i noticed that like across like multiple sort of things right whether it's socks fry pans or whatever yeah yeah like um it's kind of also very surprising in ways right like i can understand socks and um things like that socks and underwear and stuff like that or maybe the odd onesie for your child the woolworths that was near me actually had all sorts of like appliances and things as well it's like I'm not going to impulse buy like an air fryer or like, a Jamie Oliver tea file set, right? Like this is not something I'm just like, ooh, you know, like uh, I just need it. I just need it and I need to get it on my supermarket run next to the milk and the eggs. Like I, and all manner of stuff like there's, you know, like wall heaters and um, hair, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Like um, of appliance and things like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people do. Maybe some people do. So, I actually um, want to um, get your your thoughts on something that's happened to the local supermarket around near where I live, which is this is like this. So, this is a Woolworths, right? And they used to have um, – it's not a huge Woolworths, right? But it's still like was like a full format, you know, Woolies, right? With seafood counter and, you know, cold meat counter or whatever. But did they have the sushi counter? Uh, they didn't have the sushi counter, I don't believe. But they had they had the deli, right? So they had the person sh- with his shaved meats, all that sort of stuff, right? And yeah, it, it was just a normal supermarket, right? They weren't trying to like pitch to some inner city like hipster segment of the market, right? But they've just rebranded this one as like a Woolworths Metro, and or, <laughs> and they're or they're about to. And like the shitty thing is, like, is that there's literally like two other Woolworths metros literally a five minute walk away. So mm. it's it's like we, we don't need another Woolworths metro. What we need is like the proper Woolworths where you go and do your proper shop. And like sure the, the Woolworths Metro is the place you get your, you know, your convenient like it's just a convenience store on steroids, right? But like why change this one that is the sort of the 
the place yeah, where people especially go to if it's already like that yeah and, or if it used to be yeah and <laughs> so like you know not to roll over you know those living in in my neighborhood um don't just um cop it on the chin uh <laughs> they've like literally set up like a, a protest movement against this <laughs> You know, Woolworths Metro um, development. But, like, the thing is, like, the <laughs> this even made, like, 2GB talkback radio kind of thing. I mean, look, I don't have that much skin in this game, to be honest, because, like, I don't shop at that supermarket. I have before, but if you said to me, like, okay, you're going to go and do, like, your one weekly shop of the week and you're going to spend, like, a couple of hundred dollars, I'm not going to go there, right? I'm going to do yeah. it. At, like, frankly, I'll do it at Aldi because it's way cheaper. But the thing is, like, I was just listening to this guy from Moors try and defend the decision. It was just this like- What did he say? It was just this horrifically bad PR corporate spin on it. It's just like, oh, well, we, we've listened to our customers and we've, we're have we really excited to prevent present a better value proposition to the local community. And- um, and what we're we're really all about, you know, serving the the community better, and and this is why we're, we've moved it to this this new, mo- you know, we're going to do some really exciting things in the store. The talkback radio host that was interviewing this guy was just like, yeah, but you've got like five hundred signatures on a petition saying they don't want this, and they're having protests, at, like, like they don't want this. <laughs> like, it's like, oh well, you know, we've heard the, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, <laughs> and it just got me thinking, like, just. Well, first of all, like, like I'm listening to this thing. I'm just thinking, what's the balance of like a supermarket, like, like Woolworths, just owning the decision and saying, we're a fucking private company. We have paid money to buy this asset. We can do what the fuck we want with it. We don't owe anything to any particular customers. They all probably fucking shop at the hipster sort of no packaging <laughs> kind of shop in, up in Newtown in King Street, right? We, we'll do what we want with our shop. If it doesn't make sense, commercial sense, then we wouldn't be doing it. So, fuck off. We owe you no explanation as opposed to trying to convince everybody that it's in our best interest to have this thing. That, like, <laughs> And, yeah, just um, I, I don't know. Like, there's no corporate honesty. Like, it's just I would respect that first approach. Like, it, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I, I would too. But then um, you wouldn't have the bloated PR department and the guy going on talkback radio, would you? <laughs> it's, it's his job, like entirety of his job to kind of smooth out this shit. I mean, I do say, like, I would say though that some of this is obviously, like you said, commercial and is based on consumer behavior, which kind of leads back to us. And we've, we've spoken about this phenomenon recently where there's some weird effect. The, the corporations are acting in a really maladaptive way or what seems like socially maladaptive, but really... Like you and I are to blame. Like people, consumers as a whole are driving this behavior. And the fact of the matter is that no matter what happens inside the supermarkets, usually people just go to whatever's closest to them. And like that has much more than brand lo- to do with where you shop than brand loyalty or the pricing or whatever. It's actually just what's closest to you and what's more convenient because people are lazy, people are busy. They got to they got to get shit done, and that's probably where this idea of like metros, where you know we want to be like subway, like there's one around every corner, right? And we'll just litter the city and the CBDs with you know as many as we can buy up. We'll just put in little shops there that are that are kind of low cost to run, and I think that's the reality that the consumers are driving that don't you think yeah well so as i said there are a couple of other of these wars metros near where i live 
And the model is like, I can see why they're doing it, right? Because there's high margins for them in it, right? So they're selling higher value added produce, right? So the, rather than people going for the the no frills or whatever it's called now, the, the home brand sort of items, they go for the, you know, the stuff where they're making. I, I was in one of these metro shops today, right? And I went to the like confectionery aisle, right? to get something for my son as a bit of a treat. And sure, they had like, they did actually have like all the usual stuff, right? But then <laughs> they had this jar of like, I don't know, it was some sort of candies. It looked, look, it looked a little bit fancy, but like I had a look at the yeah. price. It was like $25. Like wow. if you're spending $25 for confectionery, that's <laughs> like, imagine like that, that, that's 25 chocolate bars that they have to sell to equal the same amount as this, as whatever this thing was, right? That's what they're going for, right? It's high margin. They get, they're, they're like, you go into this shop and you think you're, I mean, I know you've, you're a bit of a fan of Harris Farm, right? But you go into Harris yeah. Farm and like, you, you genuinely do feel you're getting like a, a higher quality, right? You've got, you know, whether it's meat or, you know, fresh like dairy and all like bread, whatever, like it's all just like, it's, it's a higher yeah. grade of, of quality and you're prepared to pay it, right? So you're in that world. And they're trying to sort of create that same halo effect around you being in this shop that's like, oh, it's like, it's Metro. It's like, we've got mm. better stuff here and, and they can charge you more and they make more money. So, they wouldn't be like, let's be honest, they would not be doing this if it didn't make them more money. Yeah, I think so. And I think like when I ref- reflect on where the Metro kind of system worked, right, is in high density urban areas, um, inner city areas that there's more disposable income, people have more focus on wellness and health and that kind of thing, busy corporate workers, things like that. And they're willing to, you know, go into a little area that's laid out well and feels nice. And, you know, yeah, I'll get the, maybe I will get the cut carrots and hummus that's prepared for me in in a nice kind of refrigerated like shelf. And I'll be happy to pay, you know, the $10 for it instead of, you know, getting the meat pie or whatever, (laughs) you know? So I think that that's part of it too, right? And I think that comes from like, you know, in the UK and and stuff, they have prets everywhere and Marks and Spencer food and all this kind of stuff. Like they have like a much better food convenience experience. You know what I mean? And like you, you routinely see people buy like sandwiches and snacks and kind of thing. I think that's missing. That has been missing in Australia, right? Like you don't really go into like a, a convenience store and with the idea that I'm going to get some decent food, like you don't really have that on top of your mind. And I think that's the part that's changing too. This like ready-made meals that Metro is trying to push as well, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's a bit of the play. My biggest criticism is that they don't hit the mark. Like they, they actually <laughs> essentially- <laughs> They're not Marks and Spencer. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think having experienced shopping at these Metro supermarkets over a period of time is that like essentially it's like- a normal, like the stuff you walk out of once you're in that shop is almost identical to what you would if you were at, a, at like a full format Woolworths, only that yeah. you've paid twice, like <laughs> it feels like you've paid twice the price for it, right? And or not only that, but actually the, the choice is reduced because like for every like $25 like packet of lollies that they've got, that's one less item like regular person item that they can actually stock. So I just feel, yeah, actually like as a consequence, it's a reduced choice. It's yeah. the same lines, like the stuff you, you actually want from there are the same lines as, as what if, you know, you, you get it and you're just paying more. And as an aside, um, like when they do dabble as well in like, oh, well, we want to have authentic stuff, right? So we've got like, here's our like Mexican sections. We're going to have some yeah. 
you know, really interesting sort of Mexican stuff, right? And I go like, uh, and then I look at the staff, and it's like it's just the same shit. It's just packaged differently. <laughs> like, so, like, I'm not a connoisseur of like tacos, right? But like, for me, I really like the the corn yeah. taco, like, um, you know, the soft the soft ones, right? But like, yeah. the key thing is like they're they're made of corn, right? Not not flour. Mm. They don't even sell the corn ones. Yet they promote themselves <laughs> as this, like, oh, we're really good with our Mexican stuff. It's like, yet, like, in the regional Woolworths that, like, I would visit, they do have the cold ones in, like, the full format. It's just, uh, anyway, it's it's all it's all for show and it's all style, no substance. Okay, so so this is this is one of the things I, I quickly want to add in, though, because, so, we've already covered that they're obviously trying to get on that, on that kind of fast convenience food market. And they also know that people tend to spend more when they have smaller frequent visits to the supermarket. And, and everyone knows that anecdotally, right? That when you go, you just buy a little bit of extra stuff or you don't plan your meals. And then the more visits they have, you, you go to the supermarket, the more likely you are to spend more and more money. So they're trying to actually break up people's weekly shop into smaller, smaller shops because that's how they drive more value from each customer, right? The question is, and Metro's perfect for that, right? Because it's all about smaller shops. You don't get trolleys, you have baskets, all this kind of stuff. I feel like when we've had these conversations before, you tend to err on this side of, oh, you know, there's no conspiracy. There's no kind of like evil white men in management sitting in the Woolworths or Coles headquarters planning this out to say, oh, if we, if we hack their, you know, if we prey on people's um, psychology and habits, we can like push up earnings per person by 15% or whatever. So I want to ask you in, in this particular case, do you believe that that, that there is a, a like, a um, Scientology ring of, of uh, management executives sitting around trying to maximize this? Absolutely, without any slither <laughs> of a doubt, yes, 100%, through the roof, yes. Finally. No, no, for Finally. sure. Like corporate entities, this is what they do, like, and they're experts at it. They knew about behavioral economics before government did, like government took 30 years to like learn about behavioral science so, so why why can you believe that 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 there are there are people and I'm sure they these executives spin it in like oh we're we're helping you know bring food and quality experiences and stuff but really they're just trying to get more money right so I'm sure they have their ways of justifying it right but how can you believe that but then on the other side you don't believe there's like a more sinister form like of those people in the medical world or like when we were talking about COVID or whatever there's like there's not the same pharmacy executive boards or or people in cahoots without doing the same thing to us well i guess um there's probably a couple of differences uh, i suppose it depends which country we're talking about too because um in australia for example there's no marketing for like you can't market pharmaceutical like you can't advertise like you don't like if you go to america they they you, you go and see ads <laughs> for like oh have this thing talk to your doctor about <laughs> you know having your doctor prescribe you this um, down, down, tumors are down. <laughs> and um, and actually, I've just been watching Painkiller. I'm not finished yet, but it's about um, Oxycontin and how, um, you know, that was opiate, yeah. like, you know, pushed by all these um, young, attractive, unique sort of graduates. Yeah. But um, so, so look, for sure, like, and then that, that, like, as a series, I mean, if you take that as kind of fact rather than fiction, which I think it's, you know, it's obviously based, it is based on true story. 
then yeah, I, like I accept that. But I suppose, you know, I think it's a lot harder to market and be apply the same kinds of strategies to health products in Australia because it's so regulated than, you know, which kind of taco there's, yeah, there's a lot more room to move in, in that space. Whereas, um, yeah, I think it is, it is a lot more regulated. So I like, and also I think just as an aside, given like funding arrangements too, right? So, you've, you know, in Australia, we've got funding pharmaceutical benefit scheme and and things like that so where where we actually don't pay for our own medicines like well we we make a co-contribution but like at the end of the day if a drug is not effective the government will not fund it so there's all there's this extra layer of like filtering in australia now that's not true necessarily of the rest of the world but um mostly usa but so that that's where i'd say there's a slight difference yeah. though. I, like but to, to concede the point like i'm not naive to it like i'm absolutely sh- you know 100 sure there's you know people marketing professionals in um, ph- pharmaceutical um, giants thinking well within the rules of the game how can we maximize our revenue of course there would be yeah all right well, well last on the on the supermarket issue right something that has hit the news quite hard in the last week is this idea of the supermarkets um posting their profits. So I'm talking specifically about Coles and Woolworths. In the face of an Australian cost of living crisis, as we've been talking about recently, uh, they have posted record profits where their margins have actually been going up, right? So what do you think of this idea of like how responsible that they can they can be, you know, and and actually pass on pass on this kind of are they are they price gouging, I suppose, and and the and the conversation around this. I, I actually um don't like the term price gouging because uh, <laughs> it's like I the beholder stuff, right? So, what's price gouging to one person might just be like normal market, like price mechanism. I think right? we can all probably agree on some terms, though. I think the uh, the twenty five dollars for ten rolls of toilet paper in COVID um, probably qualified. Uh, well, see, I, my I, local know, but see, I, I actually don't. I don't necessarily agree with that because if you're trying to allocate resources, like the price mechanism is part of that is part of the solution. So, you know, when like for example when Uber fares go up to like $200 for something that would normally cost $20, that's U- the Uber price mechanism drawing out more demand and sure there's like a massive like in that situation there's a massive disparity of like there's way more demand than there is supply, but that's why the $200 like is a is a pretty good price signal to then draw out more supply, right? So if it never gets to $200 because there's some block in the app, then that doesn't work, right? And you don't draw out more supply and then you just have people standing by the side of the road not getting like a car to take them home, right? Which is- A lot of dirty assholes. <laughs> so price gouging, this is for me is like, this is this is the kind of thing that people who aren't economically literate would, would claim any increase in price is price gouging. Whereas in fact, what it actually is, is- a supplier that has something that's scarce actually being able to put up their price because there's less less supply of that thing. But actually, the fact that there is, in at least in the short run, a higher price is what actually draws out more supply, and and that's the process of the markets follow. So, and then I guess like there probably is some sort of technical definition of price gouging, which might relate to like a, an entity with some sort of monopoly power or something like that. That's um yeah. that's deliberately increasing like having higher prices on a prolonged basis because they're taking advantage of their position 
but most of the kinds of things we're seeing, like let's say in, in the current, you know, you mentioned cost of living crisis or whatever, it's not price gouging. It's just that's the, them responding to demand and supply, really. So you don't believe that like supermarkets have profited from the inflation? Well, okay. Whether there's a competitive market for supermarkets in Australia is a, a second, like another question, but- um, It's not much of a question, is it? <laughs> well- <laughs> With this oligopoly? But there isn't, it's not, it's actually not an oligopoly, right? Like to think that Coles and Woolies are the only places you can buy groceries in Australia is actually incredibly flawed, right? You know, most Australians have access to Aldi, they have access to um, smaller ones like IGA. They have access to convenience stores. They have access to like there's so many, like, even like HelloFresh as well. If you think about different kinds of models that that compete in the same space, so I accept that like we don't have a really competitive grocery market in Australia. But uh, <laughs> I think if you're trying to run a supermarket and you're contemplating what to do in an environment where prices are increasing, ultimately, you're going to charge the price that the market can bear um, because that's what maximizes your revenue. And so, if the psychology during a period where all prices are increasing means that the market can bear maybe it's a psychological thing like in the short run and then you can maybe run a bit faster than what the costs to you as a business is then potentially you might thicken up your margins a bit and I could see that as somewhat plausible but I'm not sure there's any evidence of that and I suspect if supermarkets are making money it's because you know it just people still there's a lot of you know, cash splashing about. And um, and I think that's going to change because uh, the other thing we're seeing as well is like people aren't eating out at restaurants and stuff like that as much because of, you know, high prices. So, they get probably more sales through for that reason. So, there's so many things going on. Are they acting like egregiously or, you know, no, I, I don't think so at all. If you're, if, if we're going to live in a free market economy as we do, and we don't want to have like a planned economy and we don't want to have like a highly regulated economy, which we don't, well, I don't think we should, then we sh- we've got to support businesses that make money. Like we can't, you can't have one without the other. Like you can't sort of say, oh, well, we, we want to have a free market because we think it produces good results, but then, you know, an outcome of the free market, we're, we're not going to support, right? So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. All right. Okay. Well, I think um, <laughs> there you go. So, you heard it here first. Andy sees no problem in Woolworths post posting a 20% rise in earnings um, from last year well, through well, a cost of living but crisis. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're increasing their earnings because they're more efficient. Like, how do, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, but uh, like you can't, like, I, I don't know, like how do you know? The supply chain upgrades definitely account for 19% of well, it can, that. It can be that they've reduced costs, right? It can be they've um, replaced all those people it's with the checkouts, checkouts yeah. right? <laughs> it's the checkouts, definitely. The ones that um, fail all the time and they need the, the one stressed out person running around waving their fucking swipe card yeah. constantly of things yes i did bring my own fucking bag because i have to pay for them now we see these battles time and time again so you think it's just mainly sensationalism from media so i actually haven't um unpacked the latest uh annual report from any of the supermarkets so i'll give that sort of caveat but yeah i mean like we, we're seeing these these sorts of articles all, like all around right is that how dare a private enterprise make profit in an environment where inflation is so high like but that's bullshit. Like, of course, like businesses still need to make profit. They don't make profit, they'll fail. <laughs> so they have to increase their prices because they have to pass on the, you know, the costs that that they have as a, a business to operate. And if they don't pass it on, things won't be sustainable. So that's what they're doing. And um, mm. 
I just think um, is what it is. And, uh, you, you know, just because our costs have gone up doesn't mean that they should be compensating us or absorbing it for us that they're private companies like you know, imagine if your superannuation went down 30 percent because all of the um businesses that your super was invested in s- suddenly said no no we're not going to make any profits this year because we've got to be kind to consumers like you know and then and then your super reduces by tens of thousands of dollars like that's not how it works right you wouldn't even know because <laughs> uh something crazy like over 70 percent of people don't check their super balance <laughs> anyway um, one of the things I do love about uh, these kind of trashy news sites, right? Every now and then, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about a particular topic and I'll look up, I'll just type it into Google, right? And then obviously you've got a, a range of trashy uh, sites that actually give you the stats. You know, they serve you up those like curios down the bottom. And um, one of them on on this particular issue was like just a picture, like a giant picture of someone holding out a woman's lacy underwear and saying, in bold letters, all caps, do you know what this hole is actually for? <laughs> and they have like, you know that bit of stitching that goes like, like you know, right down the bottom and there's like usually a hole there. And it's like, do you know what it's actually for? And it got me thinking, um, you know the like the old school jocks that for men and they have that like little hole, like they have that, like a little Y bit in the front. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mustn't buy mine from the same um, sex shop as you. But. <laughs> no, you know the, the the old school ones that have like a little pocket at the front where you can like In, inside. stick your finger through. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> this came out really badly. Um, but I didn't know what they were for a really long time. Cause, and apparently it's so you can like to piss and not have to take down, um, take off your underwear. I think it's called a, it's called a Y front. It's a thing. It's called a Y front. I have seen... Um, in uh, women's panties, I guess you would call them. They've got little pockets. <laughs> I'm totally making a mixtape of you saying panties. <laughs> it's just, it was perfect. <laughs> the enunciation alone. Where they have like the little panties thing. <laughs> Sorry, to give you more of this to work with. Um, they have little pockets and it's it's to put sanitary products. Yes, that's what this one, this, this little ad is for. Where, but um, the particular underwear that they're holding is like a g-string a lacy g-string <laughs> and i've got to tell you that i don't know what kind of pocket this is going to hold like for a single kind of tampon instead of a pad or something so, all right i think we need to move on so um what, what have we got up next <laughs> something that has actually been stewing away for probably i guess four weeks now since the world cup final is this story about the spanish soccer team and the problem that they've been having with the commissioner i believe and the non-consensual kiss when the Spanish uh, women's team won the World Cup. And it's something that I think, you know, it's been evolving. It's, there's been a bit of back and forth and new footage being released. And I think now would probably be a good time to get the lay of the land and maybe weigh in on it. I think what we should do with this piece too is actually start off with a disclaimer. I, I feel, I would feel more comfortable if we could put in a disclaimer for that. Roger and Andy do not support <laughs> sexual assault. So, yeah, I guess like to, yeah, what's your, have you been following the story? No, well, <laughs> I mean, I know the story, but I haven't been sort of watching the daily YouTube updates on it. But yeah, I mean, I guess um, the thing that I'm always really nervous talking about these things because I don't want to, I know that like like context is pretty important and I don't necessarily have the full context here. And the other thing is I don't sort of want to presume that 
because it looked okay to me that therefore it would be okay for the person involved. But I, I when I watched it, I my thought was this was an excited person who was exuberant and wanted to share his exuberance with one of the players and it didn't look pe- like predatory to me. And indeed, if it was predatory, you wouldn't do it in front of 80,000 people in the stadium and potentially all of Spain on TV. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. You know, it's um, predatory is probably the wrong benchmark. We're probably in, we're dealing with something a lot more, I believed, a, a lot more kind of um, subtle than that. Or sorry, well, maybe a less kind of clear cut than that. And that doesn't mean it's any more acceptable. But I, I, I do think it has to be acknowledged that we are now in a, in a grayer area historically and people are trying to grapple around like what punishment or what kind of, you know, wh- how, how should we deal with this kind of transgression, right? And I think it's really complicated and I will acknowledge what you said, which is one of, you just feel icky even talking about it because it's just so fraught with danger around whenever there's a victim of some kind of alleged assault, it's, it doesn't really, it's very, very hard to kind of weigh in without getting in trouble (laughs) without actually offending someone or perhaps even tripping over your own words because like you said you don't have the context you have all the information there's there's cultural norms there's you know how how you're at the freaking world cup final right and you just don't know what what the situation is all i can say is i suppose that because i felt very similar to you like looking at the isolated incident it didn't look like something that but perhaps you would have the same kind of uh I, I wouldn't have thought it would be sexual assault which is what the allegations are um so just to kind of bring it back some facts the spanish soccer player jenny hermoso has accused louis rubalis of sexual assault for kissing her on the lips without her consent after the world women's world cup final so that's like a, a pretty heavy charge, I suppose, to to think that I guess it's sexual like assault in that way in in the context of what you saw. And I, I do agree with you there. However, you know, obviously in this particular circumstance, there's so much support for the player that it's actually hard to to kind of bend it the other way in some ways. And my question, the overarching question I have in my mind is how much of this is just support of the cause versus what's actually occurred in terms of a crime and of course this guy it could be like you know he could have like a history of this kind of stuff but you you don't really know and so it's very hard to kind of comment on it in my opinion i i I would say as a baseline if the proposition is that he's charged with or that, that you know that there's sexual assault that has occurred there's no way in hell he is going to be found guilty of such a charge under any circumstances based on the video. Like, it's just, like, calling a spade a spade, there's no way. Now, that doesn't speak to how she felt about it. That doesn't speak to, like, whether it was the right thing or not. But, like, if sexual assault is the allegation, like, it's yeah. it's clear and obvious to anyone who watches that in in good faith and, like, without kind of pushing an agenda that there was actually n- nothing malicious or and and even the fact that it was done so publicly and in such exuberance that yeah. <laughs> that it, so I guess where I'm going with this is that unless I'm wrong and I and I would be happy to be you know, I'm not o- always right but <laughs> if if I'm not wrong 
then it does sort of feel to me that there's a bit of agenda pushing here in terms of yeah. the the charge. And I don't like that aspect of it, but... It doesn't sit well, does it? You know, I think... And I think it speaks to our Women's World Cup episode that actually the Women's World Cup has not only about the sport, it's become much more around women's rights movement as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think it's actually a great opportunity to celebrate those things. But as a result, those two things together, um, you know, the and, and the kind of Me Too movement of it all, I think has amplified. I mean, there's no doubt in the world, in my mind, that it's amplified this response and they really want to bring the hammer down on him to, to you know, support the sentiment of women's kind of rights, liberation, women in sport, and this kind of celebration of them. You know, even the fact that the Spanish Soccer Federation has now fired the the coach as well that led them to victory, right? So, less than three, ticks, three weeks after the team has won the World Cup, right? Like, the coach should be celebrated. He should be on a fucking float, you know? He didn't kiss anyone. And he's been fired now because he was someone who supported uh, when Louis refused to resign despite facing the criticism for, for kissing the player. So I think that, that that to me kind of goes into this this whole kind of frenzy around the witch hunt that all the ripples kind of move out and it's like oh no you don't support this immediately you're out you know we we we're, we're axing you we're cancelling you right and I think that, that that's a bit of an ugly side to this I feel him being caught up in that is uh it's n- it's not a great thing especially off the back of this victory you know so um yeah so I I think how I feel about it is that it's not a mutually exclusive thing to sort of have the view that what he did was wrong as in it like this kind of stuff shouldn't happen right so i think you can have that view while also conceding and and giving cutting a bit of slack right so this could be the thing that prompts a like a conversation like in the community about well, I know, I'm talking about Spanish culture too, because which is quite different around uh, kissing in in Spanish culture is probably quite different to other countries as well. But you know, uh, to spark a conversation about is that something appropriate, right? But I think my understanding of Spanish culture is that that is actually much more common. That kind of thing now, for better or worse, is much more common than it would be in Australia, for example. And so, judging then a person by the standards of, you know, the place we want to get to in the future versus the standards of today is, is I think, actually fundamentally, like, very unfair. And if that's what's mm-hmm. happening here, and I say this with all the caveats that I mentioned before, that I don't really know the context, there might be way more to it. Maybe I don't really understand what is acceptable in Spanish culture or, or what whatnot but i kind of think you know like <laughs> this just this there's a there just seems to be like this whole big yeah activist component to this and pressure to sort of yeah as you said like get behind the player and i've since and like there was also that thing where the videos came out after the event on the bus they were joking about it at first that that was a really interesting thing for me um and apologies to those who were even offended by that comment that i found it intriguing but they essentially the video showed them on the bus after the win and they were all joking about the kiss and then you know the, louis actually came on to the bus onto the bus and he was like embarrassed and they were laughing and they were chanting kiss 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 of course in spanish and you know it's like on one hand it's like oh my god look this is this is really hard to come back from in terms of how they feel about it and how can you be so how can you feel like it's assault and then have that ex- that 
response. But then on the other hand, you know, there's this thing about like it takes time to process what's happened to you and all this kind of stuff and that you shouldn't be held hostage to your initial reaction. You could be just trying to cope and then just be embarrassed. Um, so it raises a lot of interesting questions for me, but it definitely doesn't play well. And, and to your point, um, uh, leading to the case of it's going to be very hard for these charges to stick, that this is actually constitutes sexual assault and the fact that, you know, maybe consent wasn't given, that that video makes it really hard to, to prove that. But I think this is the point that it doesn't, we, it doesn't really matter about what charges are, are laid. It's like the, the court of public opinion and that's already formed, that's crystallized. And he is now, you know, is, is, what do they say? His position is untenable, right? Yeah. That's just, that's the reality of it. Well, and, and the ironic thing is like, it could be that, so let, let's just put this scenario out here and, and uh, like this is just a hypothetical. So it's it's not for me to say whether this is true the true case or not. But let's just say this is this is the order of events, right? He did this thing in out of pure joy of the of the win, right? And um, there was absolutely nothing sexual about it. It was purely him trying to, if anything, show his support and pride in in his players that that you know that, that he's affiliated with, and um, even if he would concede in hindsight that it was maybe not the best thing to do in hindsight, but certainly in the time at the time he was acting not out of sort of complete rationality, um, crime of passion. But there was certainly, but there was absolutely zero ill intent. Or the intention was was very positive, like was in the right place, right? Yeah. And then let's say on her side, now I don't know. Now this is probably the more contentious side of it. Let's say she didn't really think that much of it at first, and it was only kind of maybe half an hour, an hour, two hours, four days a week after the event, after all of the attention it received, that she started to think about it a little bit more and formed. A different view about it. It does, to me, go to show like just how contextual all of this stuff is. Like it's like when you're a kid and like I don't know if you were, if you remember like ever being kissed by some stranger just because they were wanted to be a bit over touchy feely with you or whatever. Like as you're you know you're a kid, like like friends, kind of grandparents, you know, giving a kiss or something, you know, and it being <laughs> totally innocent. I, I would never place that as child. Like I wouldn't say, oh, that was child abuse. You know, <laughs> mm. like. Maybe now, you know, some of the, that kind of stuff, you know, you would think a little bit more kind of... Did the did the kiss have tongue though, Andy? <laughs> well, I don't think this had tongue. This was just a, a kiss <laughs> on the cheeks, as, uh, sorry, on the um, on the lips, which is a little but bit a step. I said that to prove it. I said that to prove a point though, right? Like, because I wanted to say that, but I wouldn't because it's disrespectful to the situation, but I'll do it to you because you're a man. <laughs> so, I can bring it up that Actually, like it's yeah. When we're not talking about, I, I think this is this. This is part of it too, right? Like whenever it comes to any kind of assault or sexual harassment, you do have to, if in doubt, you do have to always, I suppose, lean on the side of the victim, right? And I think that that is probably the healthiest response in most cases, right? Now we can talk about does the does the punishment fit the crime and all this kind of stuff, but. I think what you don't want to do is start to kind of let let yourself, if you're unsure, kind of lean towards the perpetrator. I, I kind of I kind of take that approach when it comes to these things, right? If someone claims they have been sexually harassed, and it could be it could be like 
verbal, not even physical. And you know, and, and they've felt like they've they've been offended by something. You know, you kind of you kind of have to almost believe that, right? Because that's that's there. And then the punishment is a separate issue. When you are bald and you have such a close shave like that, your head already looks like a penis. So when you like <laughs> grab someone's head and then you kiss them without consent, that kind of is sexual assault. So she kind of like got confused. Coming she, towards the head. she thought it was um, <laughs> just a bobbing, a bobby coming out of. <laughs> Okay, we got to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to go in. <laughs> that, that's exactly what Louis probably thought. Oh, I I got to cut this, but then I'm going in. <laughs> it's too late. I've already I've already got to. All right, let me let's 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 move on. But uh... after that difficult chat, let's move on to something even more difficult. So John Farnham lent his voice to the voice, the voice. Try and understand it. Um, I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I've got to say, so like a couple of weeks ago, we recorded um, a bit of a hot take on the um, the pamphlet, right? And I think we were pretty pessimistic on the the yes case within the pamphlet. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think we were quite critical, actually. And I have seen some other criticism of it as well. So, I, and, you know, we know the polling has been moving in sort of one direction, um, not Harry Styles. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. Things weren't looking very bright for the, the Yes campaign. but then- Another band that uh, broke up and didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, um, then we had a little bit of a little bit of a shot in the arm for the Yes campaign when uh, with with the the John Farnham ad. Um, so this is an ad for the Yes campaign. I, I only watched. I must admit, I haven't seen it like in its natural sort of environment, other than yeah, like I've seen it as this is the ad and like on a news website. But you know, I watched it and like it is pretty. Um, it hits all the the right notes. You know, it's like yeah, be part of us. Like we're about like positive change. Like we're going to do good th- yeah. good things. Like you're, you you join us to do do a good thing. Like look at all these great things that the Australian people have done in the past. Like with similar sort of decisions and events. Cathy Freeman. Yeah, it just very feel good, and it's like it's actually a really good ad. Like in terms of if you're going to say like if they fucked the pamphlet up, then they definitely didn't fuck the ad up. They yeah. got much better PR people for the for the ad than they did for the pamphlet. Um, yeah, they definitely hired a, the right agency of creatives to do the ad, and then they, they spent all their money there, and then they gave the pamphlet <laughs> to the intern. Yeah, and um, and I guess the cream on the or well, the cherry on on top is that, that yeah, I think um, they they were they were managed to get the, the licensing to use um, "You're the Voice" um, by John Farnham, which um, for those not you know of Australia is like this. It's, it's it's like a song from the sort of like late eighties from John Farnham, who's this. He's he's a singer in Australia, and this song it's just very uplifting. Yeah, so. I think that's a good word for it, uplifting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to sing it, even though I want to. It's one of the situations where like if I had a good voice, I would belt the shit out of this right now. Just, just as a just as an aside, um, and I think we should get to this later around the licensing kind of how they managed to swing the licensing. But do you think? Because now it's part of the campaign, we could actually play it on the podcast without being penalised. I actually did think that we probably have a short window where like the ad campaign's running that if we play it and we get cancelled for it, that becomes its own news story. (laughs) We're just trying to support it. (laughs) But yeah, look, I actually think that, uh, you know, it's a, a generous... So my understanding is that John Farnham has 
has essentially lent his song free of charge, right, in terms of the rights and so on, to show his support for the Yes campaign um, for the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. But it hasn't made everyone very happy. And in fact, actually, it's been it's it's been getting quite a bit of a backlash, right? And it's it's also hard to tell whether these negative stories are just kind of picked up a little bit more. But I have heard a lot of airplay about it uh, recently. And the main crux of it is, you know, that it's like an iconic Australian song and that it shouldn't be politicized. And the people who, you know, who love the song but do not love the principles around the voice um, are now kind of been put off by it and the fact that he would he would do that. There's also some criticism that they're using like a, a white guy with a blonde mullet to represent <laughs> the voice instead of um, <laughs> instead of an indigenous uh, artist, which would be a little bit more fitting. Well, I think um, Yossi, um, Yossi Indy had their song Treaty, which came out a similar time, maybe early 90s or something, but Treaty wouldn't quite fit the bill with the... <laughs> <laughs> the no campaign would be all over that. It's like, yes, you should have had a treaty. <laughs> this is why you should vote no. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, I guess the marketing opportunity was just too good, wasn't it? You know, like the, the voice, you know, like so iconic. But um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about those criticisms, like the superficial lines of uh, not being representative and actually politicising an Australian anthem? Well, uh, I think this is worth unpacking just a little bit. So... First of all, it was actually not written by John Farnham and the songwriters of that song are actually not Australian. <laughs> so, it, it, it's... British though, right? <laughs> well, you know, that's even more ironic, right? Um, <laughs> so, I feel like it's a little bit like when um, there's a, like, a statue of Bon Scott up in, Scot- in some t- remote town in, in Scotland. I sort of feel like... That's that's like trying to claim an Australian icon as their own, although you know, no. or like Axl Rose because of that one time he wore the kilt. In, uh- <laughs> <laughs> I think to call it an Australian national anthem, as though now it might be a de facto Australian national anthem, but as though it genuinely is like belongs to the people of Australia, is a bit of a stretch. And um, I think he made it famous. He made the song like resonate with the people of Australia. And I, I my view quite strong view on this would be if he supports the voice himself and he's of a mindset that he wants to um, give the campaign a bit of a, a leg up because that aligns with his view of the world, then, uh, like, good on him. Like, you know, all the, all the power to him, really, I think. And and I think this is this is a good reminder that um, we don't own these things, you know, like um, the the no people in the no campaign who don't like um, this this song's use of on the on the yes campaign. Well, they they have no they have no claim to the song, so suck it up. The big question, though, Andy, is what is going to be the no campaign's response? Because <laughs> um, you're right, it is it is actually like a, a really good ad. I think you know, in terms of keeping it to a principle for for the public and and trying to really pull at the heartstrings, you know, and and noble causes. Do, do you know what um what's going through my head is um I don't know if you remember maybe about five to ten years ago in and keeping in the theme of supermarkets from this episode is um Coles had that campaign like down down prices are down which was <laughs> with the big red hand it yeah. was that status quo um song I'm just thinking yeah. like down down vote the voice down that would um that could work <laughs> when they go low you go high <laughs> um but yeah look I think that it'll be it'll kind of play into the no campaign because they'll go look um actually actually I've just thought of it 
Yeah, tell me. Bohemian Rhapsody. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, I, um, I think it actually, in the end, at the end of the day, it will play really well into the no campaign, unfortunately, because all the questions that they're bringing up, this campaign hasn't done anything to answer that, right? Like the, the it's a feel good is to evoke emotion and, and, and have a bit of a halo effect off such an iconic song, which works, but they're going to pretty much double down and say, look, they don't have any facts and information. They don't have any answers to our, our concerns. And all they're doing now is just trying to, trying to ply you with some saccharin to, to make you feel good and, and not vote with your, with your mind. But you guys are aging boomers and you're conservative. And I know that the quiet majority will do the right thing. And so I think the no response will be something more like that. I don't think the no campaign will have a song. That's my tip. <laughs> no, they'll just have Tony, Tony Abbott reading. Um... <laughs> no, no. What would be really good though, Andy, is if like Warren Mundine did like a rap. <laughs> not too late <laughs> too late well all right